to God, like there's no complaints from school, because any complaint will bring a lot of troubles. Yeah, so as far as my study is concerned, actually, no, we were pretty much self-independent. Uh, we, you know, like we can't do so many other things. Uh, study was the only thing we could <laughs> we could do. <laughs> Fortunately, nothing else to do, so you had to focus on it. That's yeah. great. So, in that environment, like me and my siblings, we grew up together in that environment, and there was a blessing in disguise. I think in that environment, so uh, uh, we did not end up, you know, in a wrong pathway. So we were uh, in good company, and then uh, the parent uh, had full trust and confidence in us. And uh, I would say we had a very happy and uh, like though it was a humble upbringing, but it was a happy and fruitful upbringing. Yeah. Do you come from a big family? Oh, yes. Uh, so uh, we have five siblings and I was the eldest and I had four younger sisters. Wow. So uh, uh, it was, you know, like as you grow up, like reaching my age now when you recall those moments were entirely different like uh you know you always had someone you can talk to and they share their problems with you i mean sometimes of course you can't solve the problems but at least you have some people who you can talk to so uh, even when there was this curfew and all these things we we had uh, a lot of uh, good memories even now we are very close with each other among our five siblings. We're very close with each other, wow. even now. Uh, that's amazing. That's really remarkable because you were, you grew up very close yeah. uh, together. Did you get up to any trouble then, you and your siblings or you? What, what were you like as a child? Well, uh, we didn't get into serious troubles, uh, but it's usually, you know, like when you go and play football and then you have some minor altercation or, you know... Some arguments. Some arguments. And sometimes your friends become rowdy and then, you know, uh, they push and then uh, it involves the police. Uh, but, of course, we were the good ones, so... Uh, no trouble there. No, no, we, we didn't have that much trouble, but then it's just that because of your friend, even if you don't end up into the police station, but you still have to wait till things are clear. You have to become the witness and tell the police officer, no, you know, like it was just a misunderstanding. And then, and, you know, I told you the curfew thing. So, <laughs> so when, when you're home late, uh, you have your judiciary and your court and everything waiting for you at home. Yeah, then you have to explain things. Oh, yes. Well. Yeah. Yes. What were you like as a student? Well, I would say to begin with, I was a shy student in the class. Uh, in my primary school years, I remember I was a very shy kid. And then when I was in secondary, I was still uh, a little shy, but I participate a little more. And uh, because at that time in my upbringing, many of my classmates, uh, they were those students who were more hands-on and they were interested in sports. So uh, I was interested in studies, but not that much in sports. So sometimes, you know, that uh, making friends and re reconciling our interests and differences would take some time. Yeah, um, because you're an educator, uh, you're a teacher, and now you're also a vice principal. Um, 
what sorts of advice do you give to your students these days? Looking back at your own uh, life as a student and having been a student yourself um, and you know, attitudes towards study. I suppose in Hong Kong there's a lot of pressure to perform well uh, at school. What sorts of advice do you tell your students? Well, normally uh, I focus more on the uh, personal attributes of a student. I mean, I always tell them to you know, try their best for anything they committed to, regardless of, you know, whether it's uh, it's not what they expected or things change. Uh, uh, I always make sure they would wholeheartedly participate in things, even if it turns out uh, it's not what they expect. Number two, uh, they have to be respectful and treasure every opportunity. And then number three, they should leverage uh, from each a successful experience or even from a failure and see how they can do better if they have a second chance or another opportunity that uh, comes around. So uh, because I believe if the if you have these sort of personal qualities, you will eventually do well, even if uh, academically you are not that top 1%, but you will end up somewhere good. I mean, this is my own uh, personal life experience. I mean, you don't have to be uh, 100 in everything. If you're 100 in everything, but you compare with other people in different schools, you might not be even anywhere close to the top ones. Uh, and you should look at other personal qualities which can actually help you become a more resilient, more proactive, more positive, more receptive individual which you know all em employers would look for like they would want to have someone who who has high integrity who is a trust worthy person who is hard working who is a team player who can face setback so all these qualities you don't learn from textbooks right i suppose there are some other experiences that you have in school you should you should you know seize and learn from it and that's that's how I, I, uh, I mean, I've go, uh, grown up in Hong Kong and faced myself. And I'm just thinking, not just for students, but really for adults as well. You know, we learn from our, we should learn from all our setbacks. Um, you went on to study at university. What did you study at university? Well, originally I started studying business management, and when I finished uh, the degree, then uh, I went to a Japanese supermarket. Okay. To, to work as a customer service supervisor. And I think my parents were real mad and upset. Like, why would you go there after studying a business management? They expect me to wear a suit and stuff like that. But of course, I mean, I said, well, why not? I just started first. And I think I worked for five or six days and uh, my vice principal saw me. And, uh, you know, uh, I think it was then the opportunity came. I mean, there was a vacancy in the school and uh, the vice principal said, would you give it a try? And then, you know, So the vice principal saw you at the supermarket yeah. and was like, hey, come work for us. Yeah, because she likes also, she likes to visit supermarkets also. <laughs> so, uh, and these are high-end supermarkets. Yes. So uh, then, you know, when I talked to her and then, well, the pay was big difference. And also uh, my parents came in my mind. If I tell them I will have this job, I'm sure... Uh, the whole narrative will change. So then without second thought, 
I have not crossed my seven days. I just need to give one day notice. So, uh, yeah, then I jump ship and, you know. The rest is history. Yeah, and then carry on and then uh, went in and then I need, then I knew I have to do my benchmark, my PGDE training, and then uh, I continued to study my other things that I liked. So, yeah. And, and you continue to study for a PhD as well. You just continue to study. Yeah, just, I mean, like, might as well just finish it anyway. <laughs> what was the motivation? Because I think it takes a lot of, um, yeah, motivation to continue studying when we're adults to keep that uh, momentum going. Well, actually, for me, uh, since my major was in business management and working in school, I was required to have my master's in in the major, like the English at that time. So when I finish, I don't know, like uh, for my master's dissertation, I work on, I didn't really work on an English project. Uh, I look at uh, two Chinese exam papers, compare which is more suitable for the non-Chinese speaking students to sit for the exam in future. When I finish that, there's a lot of things uh, arouse my interest. Oh, okay, these are things I can pursue further. And also... Uh, I don't know, I made a very stubborn or stupid uh, promise to myself that I should get my PhD before the age of 30 at that time. I don't know, like, I mean, when I set target, I'm a very target-oriented person, so... And then God is kind to me, and, uh, you know, I I went on, and, and then some professors from University of Hong Kong were very interested with my research proposal and things that I've done for my master's. And then I started and finished my uh, PhD in 30 months part-time while I was working full-time. So uh, it was a very uh, Navy SEAL-type training. Uh, I mean, mentally, physically, and also things were very meaningful, and I liked it, actually. I found out, oh, I, I, I like to do research, I like to study, and I didn't know that I have that, that sort of interest. So, pursued that, and yeah, and then continue, and then had more opportunities to serve the community and also serve in the school, then I continue. That's remarkable, Rizwan. And you're right, you, you really do give back to the community. You're serving also in the Youth Commission here in Hong Kong, appointments in the EOC, in the Equal Opportunities Commission as well. Why is it so important for you to, to give back to uh, the community? Well, actually, my dad uh, always tells us, I mean, and even my mother, I mean, uh, they tells us, uh, I mean, you should help. There are a lot of needy people. Because I'm sure, like, my parents, like, they have, they, they, they have not... Uh, had the opportunity to study so uh, when we were a kid we know how it feels like when you have an application form and you need to seek help from others uh, that's sort of you know like you feel a little embarrassed and you know uh, hesitant to seek help and and there are a lot of nice and kind people who helped us when we were growing up uh, at our stage and I still recall those those moments and therefore you know, those were some of the things that, you know, made us, we should give back. And of course, I mean, I, I, I never thought of, you know, giving at, giving at this scale, but opportunities came and you're naturally doing it. No one was doing it. So I don't know if if I had this business acumen or uh, finding, you know, gaps in the market and able to, you know, give what our own thoughts were. And probably I think it was a compensation to me being a quiet kid 
as I grew o- older, I talk more. I mean, so, so apart from being vocal and uh, will not hesitate to speak, but also practical as well to get things done. So these were some of the qualities that uh, fits what the government wants and had the opportunities. So of course, I mean, uh, in these twenty years, if if things didn't do well, I would not have the chance to serve these different boards over the twenty years. Yeah, because you you know not only are an advocate for many uh, issues regarding ethnic minority rights, but also about youth development um, and and various other things. That makes you a line rocker, uh, which is why you're here on the show today, uh, Riswan. Let's talk about the Lion Rock spirit. We often hear about this. What does it mean to you when you hear that? When you face adversity, you should have the resilient. So you strive for advancement. So this is what I think uh, the Lion Rock spirit means to me. Yeah. And how have you used that, those qualities and how have you applied it in your own life? Um, can you share any sort of challenges can you share any challenges that you've faced and how you applied the Lion Rock spirit? Well, there are way too many challenges. Uh, but I think when I see challenges, uh, I, I take it very positively. And if I'm not successful, there are setbacks. I'll see which part or where the problem came and... If I have to face it again, I will address that. Yeah. Can you give us any examples growing up? What were ones that really sort of um, really changed your perception of things because they were really sort of defining moments of challenges? When I was a teenager, uh, despite my parents' disapproval, I worked part-time in a fast food chain. When I worked there, there was one evening... I think someone just kicked the toilet bowl and it broke, like it shattered. And then you can imagine on the floor, it's not only the only the the, the proseline or, you know, oh, those things, but there, there's other things there. Uh, oh and then gosh. you have to deal with the aftermath. You had to deal with it? Yes, me and my other friend who were, you know, like my compatriot. So when we were doing that, I was just asking myself, like now I'm only 16 and if I don't do anything, maybe after 30 years I'll be doing the same thing. Then I think uh, the only way that can change is if I have some education, I can do some better jobs. So... That was always in my mind. I mean, if I don't study hard, these are the job. I mean, there's no discrimination or looking down on people who are doing the, uh, these sort of jobs. But I'm sure I, I know uh, I should do something about this. Otherwise, that's how we are viewed. And also I had sisters who were younger than me. And and if I'm, you know, like stuck in this, uh, they would not have, you know, uh, that challenge or like they would they would just also there would be a uh, a glass ceiling at home so no need a change so that experience that was one experience so but 
continuously i face similar different situations where it just con- it solidify and even make me uh uh believe firmly that if i don't study i cannot change but of course at that time i didn't think like okay like now i mean you have to think okay what you want to study but at our time if you don't study game over it was a gg probably uh, but now because education is becomes very common now almost everyone can study university but it's just that what you study but back then at my time if you don't study that's it so with that and also uh, perseverance and hard working and able to seize the opportunities bring some changes and that's Ritswan Ola an educator who we spoke to in last week's line rockers you can check out more line rockers on our archive and also on our podcast one and all our podcasts as well it's available and in tomorrow's episode uh, we'll get the opportunity to chat with Robert Dorfman uh, and you'll find out more about his interesting story and how his family ended up in mainland China